Hello, it's Trish and Heather here and we're home design coaches and founders of the Scribble Club. The Scribble Club is an online community for people who like design, healthy and functional homes and are looking for creative inspiration from professional designers. We're so excited to announce our brand new podcast called The Sketchy Ladies. Our podcast is a mix of design and building advice from inside the industry. You'll get simple tips and tricks to help you overcome your design challenges with creative solutions. You'll learn how to create spaces you've always dreamed of but never had the confidence to design. We value beautiful, functional, healthy homes and that's what we're here to help you discover. As qualified designers and busy mums, we understand how your health, sanity and well-being can benefit from a well-designed home. There's no need to settle for second best. Each week you'll get some tips and tricks to help improve the spaces inside and outside your home. Make sure you subscribe to the Sketchy Ladies podcast and this way you won't miss an episode. You can find links to all of the episodes and other goodies at thescribbleclub.com forward slash podcast. The Sketchy Ladies podcast is here to help you create your dream home. Let's make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Sketchy Ladies podcast with Trish and Heather. Today we'll be covering the design of your dining and outdoor living areas. So in today's episode, we'll be discussing the three biggest challenges in dining and outdoor living area design, how to solve those challenges and what costs the errors and how we can avoid them. So the three main ones we've pulled out of this subject today is the, the function of the space, the tables and seating, because they're large movable items, but can take up a lot of space. Uh, and we're also talking about appliances and equipment, things you might want to add into the areas like, like barbecues, fire pits, those sort of things, and what considerations we need to allow for with that. Heather, you live in a warmer part of Australia than me. <laughs> so our outdoor living area is only a very short period of the years. Most people say three months, but we try to push it to five because we want to try and get as much as we can out of it. We have different considerations down here that, of what we need to think about for outdoor living. But I'd love to know from your point of view in a warmer climate, what are the things that you look for in your function of those spaces? Really, it's a transition between indoor and outdoor areas. Traditionally, we had a separate kitchen, separate dining, outdoor area. Wasn't used for entertaining as much, but in this day and age, our outdoor area is almost a duplication of a kitchen, or it can be. I'm in northern New South Wales for six months of the year, and it's a very big area for fishing. So lots of beautiful fresh fish, and a lot of people like to actually catch the fish fresh, prepare it on an outdoor bench. We don't want to allow stinky fish bits inside and cook it on the barbecue. And so really the whole environment outdoors is you stay there for the whole time. Sometimes it can be inside and outside. Other times you can just be outside. The sort of considerations we're looking at there, are obviously we need something to cook clean. We usually need a sink and we usually need something to cook with. So a barbecue or hot plate, something like that. It can be a combination. And again, whether or not those appliances are built in, there's some very fancy outdoor kitchens that have built in cooktops and barbecues, even ovens, that sort of thing. Or it can just be as simple as your Weber out the back, <laughs> which is tend pizza to be how oven. I bake. Pizza oven, yeah. Pizza I'm, oven, yeah. I'm pretty simple. I, I love a baked roast. And obviously when we do that inside, it's there's lots of smoke and smell and all the rest of it. If you do it outside with a Weber, then it's contained and you get beautiful flavours because you can add smoking things to the cookers as well. So particularly with fish, you can have an outdoor cooker that you can add certain um, types of timber to to smoke the fish and it's delicious. When we're talking about dining areas, we think about what we're doing inside. They're usually during the daylight hours, we're more inside in our kitchen dining, getting ready for school, going to work, that sort of thing. But then entertaining in the weekends, we're outdoors. 
That's probably the biggest difference is come weekends, virtually don't eat indoors at all. Mm. And you're probably sitting at the table for longer too and you, you're moving around that space for longer. It's not just like you say a quick bite to eat for brekkie or something before you head out the door. It's sort of a space that you might actually invest a little bit more in than what we would have traditionally, allowing for those larger pieces of art. Like this. We actually have couches like they're really common now isn't it to have an outdoor lounge setting and we've actually just purchased one ourselves we haven't wanted to put it outside yet because of our weather's so bad we want to make sure that we can cover it and look after it so that's what we've got to identify in the function of those spaces is what's going to work for your family your environment your climate what's going to happen in regards to the, the sun because that can be hugely damaging and also our wind and our rain um, in, in impact of those spaces. And it's also the relationship of the function between our indoor spaces and our outdoor spaces. You mentioned dining, kitchen and lounge. We're putting all those three spaces together. How are they functionally going to work and how does that connection from the house, are we wanting it away from the house? Are we going to want to arrive to that space when it is an event or is it something that's connected and really flexible between our homes? The other really interesting one with outdoor areas, I know we are focusing a bit on them, but we do live in Australia and we love our outdoor areas, uh, particularly northern Queensland or, or most of Queensland, actually even northern New South Wales, anywhere where we have a lot of sun, we also want most of our outdoor areas to be undercover, one, for protection from the sun, but two, because when it does rain, the type of rain is much more torrential. I've been to plenty of get-together barbecues where we're all outside look at the grey clouds, next thing, it is absolutely uninundating, raining. But if you're undercover, you're fine. You can keep cooking your barbecue, you can have your meal and go, wow, geez, it looks wet out there, but I'm perfectly okay. Whereas some people will not want the expense of having an undercover area outdoors and it might simply be an open exposed area. And particularly in colder areas, they probably want the sun to come in in wintertime when there is beautiful sunshine. You can sit out in the sun and warm up, whereas the house might not, be getting that same level of sunshine internally. So it's also looking at the local environment around and how you want to use that space and di different times of day. I love having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee in the sunshine on my, as you say, couch slash <laughs> dining table slash <laughs> outdoor seating area. And it, yeah. again, it used to be the glass table with five chairs or six chairs around it. Now the there's also chairs. <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of different heights. You can have bar height tables they have a much higher stool higher seating great for entertaining because you can stand around them or you can have higher stools or you can have low uh, lower seating it's more like couches and lower height tables but I think the trick is it just has to work in multiple different types of use so if you've got a table and chair you need to be able to have a meal as well as having a cheese platter, having a glass of wine, having a coffee, whatever, it's got to be the right heights and the right combination of things so that you're not sitting out there and go, oh, gee, I've got nowhere to put a cup or nowhere to put a plate, <laughs> which yeah. I see a lot. It's very fancy. You've got lots of chairs, but you're stuck with the plate in the hand going, oh, hold it. Mm. <laughs> very yeah, uncomfortable yeah. for three hours holding your little side plate. And so, so that, like you said about the, the roof protecting our, our, from the weather, but also could have consider screening or, or walls as well. So from wind, they might be cut in the form of a glass screen. We're not losing our, our view, but it also protects us from the the wind but it's also privacy as well so the orientation of where those outdoor spaces might be in Tassie we, in winter we want to capture the sun we might put them in and sit out in the warmer spot but then put everyone walking past us in, in that time of the day or through the year it's not only our roof and our protection our walls can protect us from weather and privacy too so that's a combination to consider uh, and it might even be our building that's protecting us in that instance what we want to consider is we've got to look at what we want in those spaces 
how are we going to live with those spaces? How are we going to connect to those spaces? And then it's also getting into the finishes and the products, the cleaning of spaces, because they're generally dirtier. Like you said, we've got the smelly fish or the, the extra roasting smells. And sometimes we can go right deep into getting as far as putting exhaust foods. Like there can be like all those equipment that you mentioned earlier. So potential oven, pizza ovens, we're talking smokers, we've got large roasting big six burn barbecues with extra wok burners and all these things that never get used, but <laughs> in my house, anyway, they're actually huge items. We've got to plan out those spaces really well. So they're actually more complex in a way than a standard kitchen, effectively. Yeah. Outside, we tend not to think that we have to clean, but we do because we'd love to be able to just put a fire hose to the whole lot. Oh, yeah, clean, all done. Yeah. Uh, and in commercial situations, that sounds funny, but in, in commercial resorts and things like that, that's literally how the cleaners work. They spray everything and they hose it all down and, and scrub it. So when we're thinking about our outside environment, we need to make sure that we can clean it. And the other thing is things get dirty just from the environment. So if you've got leaf matter or debris or mould or anything like that from outside, that can very easily go right through your whole outdoor living and eating area as well so we don't want to be eating where we've got mold spores and things like that it's also important to consider what's around it that might affect what's going into your outdoor eating area and so cleaning is a big thing and also the finishes I've seen some really beautiful outdoor kitchens that either have a marble or a stainless steel top beautiful very expensive but they're all integrated which means that everything's all built in so they've got outdoor bar fridges they've got you name it you don't have to step foot in the house which is probably done intentionally so if people are having a big party they don't have to necessarily go inside uh, but it's all about having that extension and in some of the very big houses where they might have an outdoor pool or a large outdoor living area that becomes a whole other section of house it's really large and expensive as well. We just look at what we need to have in terms of finishes and cleaning and also the waterproofing. You really don't want to put your furniture out if it's going to be raining and wet and everything all the time, but then you've got to store it inside. It's that catch-22 of how do you pick the sort of furniture that will live up to it. And sun is the other massive thing. Sun really eats any sort of plastics and furniture. I remember that trend of the PVC tube chairs and everything. And after about five years, when people sat on them around the pool, they all shattered and created really big issues with shards of plastic because the UV had actually degenerated the plastic so badly that it was really brittle. They were flexible when they knew because everything bent. It was all fantastic, but now it's not. And a lot of the products still on the market are the cheaper plastic materials that degrade very, very rapidly. And if you're thinking about a chair, sitting on a chair that breaks, and then you've got shards of sharp, hard plastic, that's not going to be good. So you really want to consider also the look and feel and also the colours because there's huge arrays of colours now. It's not just a black or white or grey chair anymore. There's a myriad of different colours, different cushions, all those sorts of things. So it can really be a good place where you can express how you want it to look. Do you want a Mexican cantina kind of style outdoor <laughs> uh, thing or do you, I mean, Great do you do Taco Tuesday? Taco Tuesday, <laughs> I was just thinking Taco Tuesday in the cantina or is it a coastal outdoor living area? I know Deborah Hutton used to do these absolutely beautiful outdoor entertaining, huge tables and spreads and all of her beautiful homewares and it was all done in an outdoor environment because she was on the central coast and it was just very appropriate and absolutely beautiful of environment that you can either have lunch or dinner or anything in a really semi-formal entertaining space but absolutely exquisite however very costly 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. And like I'm going back on a couple of things there I'd, I'd like to readdress is that we talked about the cleaning. Something that we can consider is complex these outdoor spaces can become is putting in a sink so we can easily get that hot water and do the cleaning and, and wipe things down. But it's also like you talked about hosing things down, hosing the ground down. Where's that water going to go? We want that to drain away and to be able to allow that space to dry off. Another thing I want to touch on is the bugs <laughs> we have a lot of bugs in tassie we have a lot of flies and wasps and all the things some of these spaces can sometimes actually be quite an enclosed space so you can drop curtains or cafe blinds or flexible walls so bifolding and sliding doors and things like that to help keep some of those things out and again with the wind or the weather we can add in heating into those spaces as well which has changed a fair bit and back on the uh, the furniture side of things and, and the durability. The plastic was, is, is a great example how it's not great. It, it, it has a, lot, a limited lifespan. But we've gone timber with our latest um, selections and mainly because we liked the look and the feel of it. But now we've also got to consider the upkeep of that. So it will last if we look after it, if we cover it up and keep it away from this nasty environment, those elements like the, the wind and the rain and the sun. Uh, but then do we need to oil it? We've got the opportunity to sand it back and refurnish it so we can bring it back to life. I think that's really cool that we can do that with timbers. That's why I love timbers, my preference. But it has made me consider, I've got all these large cushions. It looks beautiful. It's going to be super comfy. I'm going to fall asleep in that in, in the summer a lot, I can tell. Put those cushions somewhere through winter so that they're kept dry. We're not getting them old like you mentioned earlier too. It's cleaning, it's maintenance and it's protection in all those things together. I just wanted to bring up the bugs because bugs are a very real thing. And we always have a running joke in our family about the excerpt from the movie, The Castles. They have the enormous flora bug zapper. And as they're sitting out to eat it, <laughs> and they love the serenity. My father bought these bugs ever at one stage and it was exactly that. We were sitting out there. You could almost smell the bugs burning as they were being yes. zapped and it was awful. <laughs> and they light opposite. up when they get caught, don't they? Oh, <laughs> you see it flash. So, <laughs> it was so opposite to the nice, conducive, calming outdoor yeah. relaxed environment. Everybody was kind of jumping every time that went buzz. With all those beautiful images, like you're saying about Deborah Hutton, they look great, but, you know, sometimes we've got to think the mosquitoes are going to come. The flies are going to be all over your food. Barbecues in Australia are a big thing. You move out of home and you probably get a gift from a family member is a barbecue one of those things that you get you've got a coffee machine and a barbecue these days i reckon are the two main ones but we're also going beyond that we're looking at doing, uh, other things like fire pits and there's some considerations there we can't go put a fire pit under a roof for example we also want to allow for there's plenty of separation around just for fire safety you know how we're going to put the fire out if it gets out of control but then we can go into appliances i can't get over how many appliances we put in our outdoor area <laughs> i love furniture but I think appliances and our equipment that we want to use in those spaces is really important. So when we're talking appliances, we're talking the barbecue, we're talking the, bar the pizza oven, the roaster, the fridges, sinks and taps. We also mentioned fire pits, exhaust hoods. If you've got it more of an enclosed space and you want to get those smells out of that space, an exhaust or a range hood is something that will help do that i personally don't ever cook fish inside it's always outside <laughs> so i can relate to that one that's those smells kept away and what are the other things that you feel uh, really important to think about when putting those appliances those extra things into those spaces well, it's usually a matter of the space you've got. In an ideal world, you've got this huge space and you can fit everything in. But as we were talking about in a previous episode, councils are quite restrictive now on the amount of hard stands, hard space we can have outside. So we've got to have green space and we've got to have our hard stand where we would 
traditionally have a concrete slab or paving or something under our outdoor eating area. So that's a hard surface. And what we've got to look at is the number of things that we're putting into that space because it grows. It can be as big as a large kitchen. It can be duplicated because of all the things we're trying to put in. So it's important to remember don't put obviously your barbecue right next to your fridge because the heat from one will not be conducive to the fridge working properly. So it's simple things like that. Usually what I've seen is a single line of bench space, which will have most of the appliances all stacked together. But what I'm seeing more and more is the bigger and bigger houses are putting in two sides of benches so one might have your sink and your cold things like a refrigerator and the other might have your cooking things the hot side which makes perfect sense but it is the cost of stainless steel benches for two sides and it's really really a big space because by the time you fit your furniture and everything in that so again you might almost have two spaces one which is like a mini kitchen and then one which is like a mini dining area and then off that you might have a separate area which is where your fire pit is an outdoor area that might have more green space and more garden around it so these spaces can be almost the size of a house now yeah they can and that um brings up another point in regards to and this is going really out there and, and the high end is thinking well if we bring a caterer in do i want all that equipment right where my guests are entertaining or chilling out so you don't want that big noisy barbecue and everyone clanking around right next to your lounge suite so that's another thing like i'd say pretty luxurious there to have a cater consider the caterers <laughs> but a part of that as well is when we're planning out those spaces and the appliances the equipment is we really got to think about the finishes that we're using so we talked about before on the durability in regards to the weather and the elements but it's also cost is something to consider so you've got to, be, got to get really durable products don't you so stainless steel was something you've mentioned for a bench top you've also mentioned marble marble is a very porous product and i probably wouldn't encourage that to be outside unless you, you know you're going to have quite well protected or un undercover I've seen it at a fish and chip shop. They had a little bar bench and they've actually gone and used a, a stone product. So like Caesar stone or Sile stone. It looked awful. It had faded from the sun. It was not well protected. And then you added in a heap of oil from people's fingers and the fish and chips. It's not only just about the weather protecting of those materials. It's also the uses of that space. Generally, you have more oily products because of the way we cook out in those spaces. I love something like a, a cold stone surface to roll out my pizza dough before putting it in the pizza oven. That's just a preference of mine, but stainless steel can be great for that too. That doesn't look as pretty. And you could even go timber. So a great timber bench could be really good because it can be resurfaced, can be sanded back and, and resealed, but it may not hold up as well under weather conditions. What we're really saying is if you've got bench tops or you are going on the more elaborate side, really consider strongly putting a roof over the top of it to protect it from the elements. It's one layer of protection. It's not totally protected but it does stop a lot of things also i'm in a coastal area so corrosion is really really massive anything metal corrodes really quickly even stainless steel can pit if it's not marine grade people might not know that there's different qualities of stainless steel marine grade is the one that's for close to the coast and that technically is not supposed to pit pit is when you get those brown dots or rust spots on it marine grade is very expensive because it's what they use on yachts and they use things if it's not marine grade then it's likely to degrade very very fast within 12 months it could look like it's got rust all over it as you said with the stone products and the porous products you spill some cheese or a glass of wine or something else they'll look really awful 
quickly could be a week a really good party and all of a sudden you can't clean this surface so it's really important that you're looking at what sort of issues you had red wines the classic i think we've said we could do a whole podcast episode on trying to get red wine <laughs> off surfaces and beetroot uh, yeah and beetroot and and it's not just caterers i mean when we have family get-togethers which in australia is very traditional around christmas times and easter times or any sort of public holiday australia day that sort of thing we get together and we have barbecues and it's got pavlovas and, you know, all the trappings of modern day life that are traditionally more oily or higher fat than we would probably normally do on a day-to-day basis. But we have to factor that in because if you've got a beautiful entertaining area, Trish, you're going to have your family around as often as you can, aren't you? Well, maybe not, but maybe. Yeah. <laughs> of course I will. <laughs> yeah, of and I suppose that comes to the permanent and the temporary um, option of those spaces and the flexibility of them. We've we talked about a lot of things that are going to invest a lot of money in these spaces. Like a lot of money can go in these spaces, more than a kitchen eat quite easily. Is it really a priority for those parties that you might have three times a year? The amount of times I've said people have had people say to me, oh, I need a massive dining room because at Christmas time, it's once a year. Is it your place every year? really got to consider those sort of things and that change over time. I know myself, we have mates around now and they've got kids. So we've got our kids and they've got kids. The kids don't sit down with a knife and fork when you've got two families together and sit and have a formal meal. They've got to do that indoor or outdoors. I've seen a big shifting within our lifestyle from going from the traditional outdoor dining table. It's always a thing. You, you built your house or you renovated or whatever. I've got to get an outdoor dining table. And it's like, that's actually our lowest priority now. The kids run around with sausage in their hand. They don't sit down at a dining table. We barely sit down at a dining table. We might have a plate of food on our lap or something, which is not great. But, you know, that need for those larger items changes over time. Personally, I don't have a lot of time to sit back in a nice comfy dining chair. When I've got people around. I'm never sitting down. I'm up and down getting things sorted. It's that function of the lifestyle and the use of those those products. We've not stuck to any one subject here. We've blended them all together because they all are together, aren't they? This is what we're saying, that in the modern world, our kitchen slash dining slash living slash outdoor living area can all really be integrated so it's just important that you think about your house or if you've got a unit most of them have got a balcony what the relationship is and what you can fit one of the things I see that's a mistake in balconies is buying large furniture then you can't get out the door you can't sit down properly and you're shuffling around stepping over somebody's knees to get to the vacant chair there's limitations everywhere in terms of what you can do and there's financial limitations when we're talking about some of these big outdoor areas they could be over fifty thousand dollars just to to fit out so we are talking lots and lots of money or you can do it in a budget-friendly version but with good design and nice furniture can look a million dollars so it's really just a matter of what your taste is what is going to work for you and how you're going to use that space and the practicality of it. We're very practical people. We do talk about the bugs and we talk about cleaning and all those sorts of things because the reality is we've got kids. We can't afford to have filthy, dirty areas and and we don't have maids to come and clean up after us, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) And and something that we can touch base on in another episode is the landscaping as a part of those outdoor spaces. With good design, you don't have to spend a lot. You can actually integrate some of that furnishing in your landscapes there could be a retaining wall that's generating additional seating or there's ways of being really clever with that process and herb garden to help with your cooking i've seen some amazing designs where low walls have acted as seating areas and dining areas around fire pits so as you say a simple retaining wall can suddenly turn into a bit of furniture with just a bit of good design but you need to think about that in the early stages and your planning stages so that you know the kind of environment and if you think you want to put something like a fire pit in allow for that 
up front, even if you haven't got the funds to be able to put it in, either swimming pool, same deal, you, they are a big item. They're difficult to put in later. So what you need to do is just have it all planned. And that way, when you can afford it, you can do it in a staged manner. In regards to outdoor dining areas and, and living areas, we, we want to consider the planning. We always go back to our planning, plan, plan, plan. We really want to get you the opportunity to educate yourself so you can plan that well. And that's what we want to offer within the Scribble Club, that we can educate and coach you through those design elements from all of your homes so, and, and especially their living outdoor area, what we can offer there within the Scribble Club. And tell us a little bit about the Scribble Club, Heather, and what our plans are. So we're both professional designers and we've got 25 odd years of experience. And what we're doing is we're really decanting that experience down into very simple, manageable steps and processes. So when we come to doing our designs, we generally follow a system and a process right the way through. And what we're teaching people is little parts of that process so that they can do things themselves. DIY meaning design it yourself. Where in some cases you obviously need a professional designer, but there is a lot that you can do yourself. What we're trying to do is make that quick and easy and hopefully they can save money as well because they won't be making mistakes. And we know when we make mistakes in building design, they cost a lot of money. We can provide huge value in just helping you through that process. We're here as a resource, so you can ask us questions. We've got Ask the Expert sections with Q&A. And we do hot seats so people can bring their designs or we work through all the things. So things that they might not have thought about. So when we're talking about outdoor spaces, we're talking weather, weather, weather. And we know how to assess where the weather comes from. There's all sorts of charts and different things. So we can help guide them to say, look, sit in your backyard, look at this, go and look at this weather chart, this weather pattern, map where the sun goes so that you can get the optimum for your time and money. We can do it quickly and efficiently and give you all of our design knowledge in a very simple fashion, but they can then do the design component themselves so it suits them. Often what we find in industry is that the designers will put their own spin on it, what they want the person to have, and it might not be ideal for that person. So get it to the point where you're really happy with it. If you need other design professionals, we're there to guide you and help you on the way through. It's a bit like having your own personal coach. Yeah, yep, and you get two of us. Yeah. <laughs> an architect and a building designer so it's even better thank you for tuning into this episode of the sketchy ladies podcast and be sure to join us next time as we continue to explore living area design this episode was brought to you by the scribble club our signature group coaching program to help women design beautiful functional healthy homes check it out at the along with so many free resources to help you design and deliver the dream spaces in your home and get the results that you deserve if you loved this episode please don't keep it a secret Share it with your friends on social media and tag us at The Scribble Club. We love hearing from our listeners and seeing your reactions to our episodes. We'd also love for you to leave a review on your favourite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us grow and improve our content. It also helps other listeners to find our show. Have a wonderful day. We're the Sketchy Ladies and we're behind you all the way.